0: You ever uh, reflected on moments in your life when you realize that others—I mean, really realized that other people were taking an interest in you? Sometimes, when those moments happen in my life. I don't always uh, recognize them in the moment, but in reflection uh, back, uh, we or I at least tend to realize that. I remember as a young boy. Uh, I didn't re- recognize this until years later, but I was in Cub Scouts only one year of my life. And I didn't particularly enjoy it uh, because it kept me away from the things I loved most, which was sports. And uh, <laughs> uh, But I did the Pinewood Derby once in my life. And I'm so glad, Bill and others, that we're doing a Pinewood uh, car race uh, for our picnic uh, because I've had the opportunity once in my life... Uh, uh, for my own self to make a car and and to do it, but I actually didn't make the car Uh, growing up without a dad. My mom found a friend and and he basically, I knew this little block of wood disappeared from my my possession and a few weeks later it showed up again in my hands and it was beautiful and it was sleek and I took it to the Pinewood Derby and you know who won first place? This guy. (laughs) I walked away with a trophy nearly as tall as me. I was, I don't know, about eight years old, and I mean, it was ginormous, this trophy. And I didn't win a whole lot of things growing up. I was on terrible sports teams when I was little, but I finally had a victory, and it was amazing. And years later, reflecting, I realized, wow, this guy, who I, I, I don't even remember having a relationship with him, but he took an interest in me, and I don't know why, but I was so blessed because of it. Uh, Susan and I, on Wednesday this week, celebrate our 20th Wedding anniversary. I know some of you are surprised that she stuck with me this (laughs) long, but 20 years. And, you know, reflecting back on on life and, and marriage like that and thinking about how one life gets woven into... Another And reflecting back on how that journey begins and the dreams and hopes you think about for the future and the ups and downs that come with a relationship like that. But the bonds that are forged because lives are on purpose chosen to be woven together like that. I remember about nine years ago, standing in front of the church that I previously pastored, Strawberry Church, and... Uh, This had been several weeks in the the making. I knew, we knew that God had called us here to this place. And I remember standing my last Sunday in front of that congregation. And I'd always heard the expression, a lump in your throat. But I'd never experienced having a lump in my throat until that moment. And I remember thinking how strange it was. And how emotional I became. And this weird moisture welled up in my eyes. (laughs) Ha! And I remember I couldn't speak for several minutes. And inwardly I was thinking, you fool, compose yourself. (laughs) It was such an oddity for me to know what it was, to be standing in front of a group of people that I had shared so much life with for ten years on purpose and realizing how great it is to have lives that are woven together, different threads of different lives on purpose, braided together to make each other strong, and to enjoy the purpose of being together. It was such a great, wonderful moment and realization. Realizing that other people cared about me or choosing to weave their life into my own. And this is a major, major theme of biblical fellowship. When the Bible talks about community, it uses usually the word fellowship and it's describing in part a life like that, where lives are stronger because they are cho- choosing to weave into each other. This is one of the major and basic cravings of human nature, isn't it? That we would, we would have lives in, of meaningful connection with other people, but we know that there are obstacles that prevent and hinder such fellowship. Things like time, probably our greatest commodity what is of most value to most of us in our day and age, because there's so much to do in our world around the Bay Area. There's never a day or a moment or a weekend when you cannot find something to do. And there's so much that calls to us and so many opportunities, whether it's through work or through charities or schools, to volunteer your time. And on down the list it goes, time is such a valuable commodity. But, you know, if we don't use our time and structure our time to be weaving our lives together in a church fellowship, it doesn't just happen by accident. So time is something that is so critical, but it's such an obstacle for us if we don't factor the way we structure our time to be weaving our lives together. We, uh, another obstacle is, is sort of a, a limited a, a willingness to share of our life. We sort of shield ourselves from other people. And, you know, life being connected with other people, it's limited if we're unwilling to open ourselves up to some other people. And so that continues to be an obstacle for some of us. And what I call the illusion of community hinders fellowship in a biblical sense often. Sometimes I think we confuse friendliness and, and a happy smile and a handshake. We can confuse friendliness for real fellowship. We can confuse what it is just to have a pleasant greeting and a a two-minute conversation around a cup of coffee, and we can confuse that and mistake that for some sort of meaningful fellowship, and it's not. It's a helpful step in the process, and it's, it's important to be sure. The illusion of community comes when we replace fellowship with just mere friendliness, or we assume that if I share a common interest with somebody that we are somehow in, in meaningful fellowship. That doesn't always equate, does it? Or we can assume that if I share time and space, that that somehow translates into significant and meaningful connection with other people. But that doesn't always happen either. To have lives that are on purpose, woven together, requires something of us because God has designed us to be in deep and loving connectedness with one another. I'm going to say it again, God has designed you and me to be in deep and loving connection with other people, biblical fellowship. Would you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. Now I'm going to just read one verse for for us, and then we're going to look at some of the the, the verses around it to get a sense of what What is being shared here in Romans chapter 12. Let's look together at verse 15. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. We've already sung about it. Let's hear it from God's Word. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now, that verse is one kind of sandwiched around a lot of other things. We're going to spend a few minutes trying to unpack that particular verse. But here in Romans 12, we think about Romans, I do at least, as the great book of salvation. The book of Romans, perhaps more than any other book in the Bible, helps us understand how we are connected to God because of the work of Jesus. It is in Romans where we learn that we are all sinners and separated from God... And the consequence of that separation is spiritual and eternal death, unless God does something about it, and He has in Jesus. And because Jesus has come to put Himself on the cross, allow Himself to be crucified, the perfect sacrifice for my imperfect life and your imperfect life, in accepting the forgiveness that He gives, Romans tells us in Romans 6 that that the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But Romans chapter 12 helps give some understanding about what it is to be in a biblical fellowship together. To be sure, there are other places in the Bible that talk about this, but there are factors that contribute to having a tightly woven fellowship together. Biblical fellowship. Not just friendliness but biblical fellowship. It describes being a fellowship of worship, why we gather together regularly to worship. Hear what it says in verse 1, Romans chapter 12, "...therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship." Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the Bible pictures biblical fellowship as a fellowship of worship where we belong to each other, not because we share some hobby, not because we have a common interest in something in the world. We are bound together because of the cross of Jesus. That is what draws us together. Even if we come from different heart languages that we've spoken growing up. Even if we come from different cultural uh, backgrounds. Even if we come from different socioeconomic realities. It is because of the cross where we all come level grounded before the Lord and on purpose interweaving our lives together. We are forged as a fellowship of worship. We are formed by God and for God. And we are transformed to be like Jesus. So, a biblical fellowship is a fellowship of worship a biblical fellowship, number two, is a fellowship of service. Uh, the Apostle Paul spends several verses here, about six of them, describing what it is to be uh, other-oriented, to be shaped to uh, orient our lives around the needs of others, that God's Spirit provides special abilities into your life, not for your benefit, but for the church's benefit. Spiritual gifts come into your life not so that you can rejoice, in the reality of God, but that others can be blessed because of your life coming in connection with them over and over and over again. These are lives that are woven like threads into and around one another that your life and the gifts that God would place in you are for the benefit and the blessing of God's church. We are a fellowship of worship, We are created to be a fellowship of service where we are other-oriented. And that is is by design is how God designed us to be. We are an interwoven fellowship, as I'm trying to emphasize. In verse 5, as Paul is describing this giftedness that that God gives, he says in verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, I want you to look at your fingers. Would you look at your fingers and wiggle them? Would you kind of rotate if you can your shoulders? Mine are getting more sore with every passing week. Look down at your feet. Can you wiggle your toes and feel your toes moving and bend your knees? Aren't you glad you have different members of your body? And the members of the body are intended to work together. Do you know the hand doesn't work exactly like the foot? Aren't you glad? Could you picture a foot in place of your hand? One of the games that Joe led the children in this past week was picking up marbles out of a swimming pool with their toes. When was the last time you tried to pick up something with your toes? It's not very easy. Aren't you glad feet aren't in place of your hands and you have to use those every day? Could you imagine? It'd be difficult. Just as your body has different members, it's intended to function together on purpose, in unity together, so that the entire organism of your body works as God intended it. And so the church is designed to be that way. It's an interwoven fellowship. In verse 4 it says, these members do not all have the same function. So don't... Just refuse to allow yourself to think less of what God has given you for the benefit of the church. If you think what you have from God is not as important or not as vital or not as helpful to the body as what you think someone else might have, thank the Lord for the gifts He has given you. Because it's not for you. He gives them to you to work through you for the life of the church. So... So these special abilities are given. And in verse 5 it says, So in Christ, we who are many... Look around. Would you just take a minute? Just look around the congregation. Oh, that's weird because we're always forward-facing. But take a minute and look around you. We who are many, different individuals, just like your body. You have fingers and toes and, and joints that bend, and it all works together. And when it doesn't work together, you know it, right? You're sick or something's broken. And churches can be broken too. But here's what it says in verse 5. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. How many? One body. And each member, listen, each member belongs to the others. Each member belongs to the others. So if your life is a thread... And we have 150 threads here just today, and there are others who are not here today. And God wants to take the thread of your life and to weave it together with one another so that we together can be the strong church that God desires us to be. We are an interwoven fellowship. Just like redwood trees, um, they have such a shallow root system for being trees of such amazing height. You would think that their roots would go down hundreds of feet almost, but it's not that way. The way redwood trees live and survive for hundreds and hundreds of years is because, remarkably, their roots are quite shallow, but from the base of the tree they go out over a hundred feet. And you know what they do? If this microphone is a redwood tree, and here's another redwood tree beside it growing here, its roots grow out and they interweave and interlock with the roots of the tree beside it. And together, they support and strengthen one another because the root systems get interwoven. You know the Golden Gate Bridge? I still have not walked on the Golden Gate Bridge. I've lived here over 20 years. That's still a goal of mine. You can keep asking me (laughs) if I've yet walked across the Golden Gate Bridge. But, you know, there are two humongous cables that span from one bank of the, the shore to the other, from San Francisco to Marin County. And those big, giant cables are big enough for a person to walk upon. They are filled with smaller cables. They are filled with wires as thick as a pencil. And what they did is that they, the, the engineers, they attached them on one side of the embankment and they wove them up over one tower, up over the second tower, hooked them through, wove them back again, over and over again, until over 1,200 of these pencil-thick wires were compacted together to form the single cables on either side. Various elements weaving together for added, added strength. I'm sorry, I said 1,200. There are 27,000 of them. I'm glad I made notes. <laughs> 27,000 wires that are pencil width and thickness are encased in each of those cables on either side of that bridge. You see, it's, it's the abundance of those working together that brings strength and help. So, the fellowship that the Bible envisions for the church is a fellowship of worship. It's a fellowship of service. It's an interwoven fellowship, just like the roots of trees or the Golden Gate Bridge cables. And finally, it's a fellowship of love. Let's read verse 9. It's a fellowship of love. The Bible says, "...love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love." Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. That means when the times are good, rejoice. Be patient in affliction. That means when challenging seasons come, be patient because God has not left your side and He has a future that He's guiding you to. Be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. That means in every season, your life is to be characterized as a prayer-filled life. Verse 13, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. We'll pause there. A fellowship of love. To highlight some of the things mentioned is love is to be sincere. Brotherly devotion. Brotherly affection. Uh, The different translations translate that differently. It's really interesting. To have brotherly devotion to each other. An affection for each other, to esteem one another. And when you can't pray that God would help you esteem others in the church, it's sharing with those who are in need. It's rejoicing with those who are delighting and sharing the mourning and sorrow of those who are sad. You see, when you and I take joy in what delights someone else, it's revealing something about our interwoven life. It's revealing something about the level of our connection with that person. Because when we share someone's joys, we rejoice when they rejoice, when we carry their burdens and hold their sorrows, we're we're saying to them that what matters to them and what impacts them and what affects you also affects me. It's not walking through life untouched, or unconcerned about the needs of others. It's like the, the time when some developmentally challenged folks, um, they often come out to Northgate Mall, and there was one, one person who came and uh, was so excited, had a coupon for a cup of coffee, and, and got his coffee, and um, he was so happy when he began to carry it out. It was raining outside, and, and as he walked outside the mall door at Northgate, guess what happened to his coffee? It slipped out of his hands, and it fell. And this guy just sat down right in the middle of the rain in the middle of the coffee puddle on the sidewalk and began to cry. And one of the people escorting them, it was so great because she came down and sat right beside him in the middle of the pouring rain, right down in the coffee, and put her arm around him and held him and shared his grief over the spilled cup of coffee. the church is intended to be an organism like that, that rejoices when those others rejoice and learns to weep and to bear the burdens of others who are suffering. But it takes certain things for us to be a fellowship that, not unlike this rope, is woven together. Right? One strand with one life, woven together for added strength, for added Ability to multiply our effectiveness and our ministry together. We are to be a type of group like that. It takes time. It takes time. And sometimes it takes a reorienting of our time if we're going to allow our lives to be woven together with other people. It takes trust and openness. and It takes the ability to trust other people and to be open with them. It takes smaller settings you can't have this kind of fellowship in a large setting like this and this this setting is important so you don't replace this setting with the smaller setting but we need both and so it takes a smaller setting because in a smaller setting you know what we're able to do that we can't do in a setting like this is that we can speak to one another and you can actually hear the heart, or you can hear the burden, or you get to know what really this other person rejoices in and delights in and is hoping for. And you know that only in a smaller setting. It allows you to hear from God as you open up the Scriptures and you look at them together. It allows you to speak to others, but it also helps you in a smaller group to hear from God. And then you get to pray regularly for that other, those other people. You get to intercede for them. We have some smaller settings in this church. We have Bible studies. We've taken a pause from them uh, the month of July. But as Stephen mentioned, they're going to be restarted in August. And uh, Bible studies that happen all through the church building. If you're a Bible study leader, would you stand? Would you stand up? We want to just give some appreciation to you. And I want you to know, church, inside your bulletin, if you're not currently... We Thank you. Stay standing for a minute. If you, church, are not currently part of an adult Bible study group, uh, we want to encourage you. There's a listing in our bulletin uh, that points to different groups that these men and women lead, and we want to encourage you to find a connection in a smaller setting so that this type of fellowship can be available for you. Bible study leaders, we're so thankful. We know this is perhaps one of the The least thankful, maybe most thankless jobs. How do I say that? You're not thanked as well as you or as often as you should be because we know you put a lot of time and a lot of effort. and You pray for your groups and you seek the Lord's guidance. And we're so thankful for you in doing that. So thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. So those are going to be restarting in August. And we want to encourage you in a fresh way. If you're not already connected or maybe it's been a while, Maybe August would be an opportunity for you to return to a smaller setting so that you can, you can speak with others and hear from them. You can hear from God and you can pray for each other so that your life can be more intimately woven together. We also have some small groups. Do we have any of our small home group leaders here? I know a lot of people are vacationing. Do we have any? Martha, I see you, Martha. Anybody else? Would you stand, Martha? Is anybody else here? All right. Well, Martha, you you get to represent a a wonderful group. Um <laughs> We are, we are in discussion about um, uh, starting our uh, small, fall small group emphasis again this fall. And we know some of you come and you serve on Sunday mornings and maybe you don't always have the opportunity to be part of an adult Bible study. Maybe one of the home groups would be the ideal spot for you. But it is important that you, in addition to this setting, that you also have a smaller setting where you can really, in, in significant ways, have the opportunity to weave your life in and around others. We have men's groups and women's groups certainly together. Would you uh, pull out your hymnal there in front of you? We haven't read this in a while. we open up just to the front flap. We are working through our series on our church covenant. And we're going to read down to... uh, About the middle bullet, and we're going to finish with share one another's joys and bear one another's burdens and sorrows. Will you read at the beginning? Let's read it together, shall we? Here we go. One, two, three. Having, as we trust, been brought by divine grace to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, We do now in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly solemnly and joyfully covenant with one another that we will walk together in Christian love, show loving care for one another, and encourage, counsel, and admonish one another, assemble faithfully for worship, And pray earnestly for others as well as for ourselves. Endeavor to bring up those under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Share one another's joys and bear one another's burdens and sorrows. Oh, we're going to stop there. I know you're so eager. We're going to hit the others later. Uh, Well done. This is part of our life together. And part of those who forge membership together are saying that I want to, on purpose, weave my life together with yours. I want to close this morning by reading one last small passage of Scripture. And it comes from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken." This is what biblical fellowship is about. Having lives that are woven together. One life as one strand, woven together with another life as another strand. Together, building strength. Together, fighting against loneliness. Together, being stronger. Together, we pull in effort unified in the Lord's work. Together, we lift one another up. Two are better than one. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Father, we pray this day that You would help us be a church where every life knows that it is woven together with another, with a group, not just another life, but with a group of people that we would know not just friendliness or not the illusion of community, but that we would have real, meaningful, biblical fellowship. Guide us in this. Help us to understand what our church covenant is, and more importantly, help us to understand what your Word instructs us in. We ask you to guide us in this. Give us clarity in it. And give us the ability and the desire to give our lives to each other. This is the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 that one member Joins itself with all the others, so help us to do that well. We pray for your kingdom's sake, for your church's strength, and for our individual benefit that all works and happens. May it be so in each of our lives and in this church's life together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand we're going to sing we're going to go back to the song we sang earlier today steve's going to lead that and then we're going to close with one final announcement after that so steve let's sing